In a time where we are overloaded with information at a pace that seems impossible to keep up with, we can feel overwhelmed and it's hard to know where we stand in this world, what we should strive for, what's real. I believe there's great power in sharing truth, vulnerability and authenticity and in my line of work I've had the privilege of connecting with exceptional human beings who have achieved some pretty magnificent things. Some have been lucky but most have experienced adversity and pain yet have found a way to triumph in their actions with some great stories, humor and wisdom along the way. I want to share the love, knowledge and the stories that have inspired me straight from the source. My name is Sharon Joel and I'm an entertainer and storyteller. I'm here to serve you what's real, the people and their stories. These are the real ones. What a couple of weeks it's been for the powerhouse that is Lana Wilkinson. As you might have seen, Lana absolutely crushed it at Melbourne Fashion Festival, the first major fashion festival to hit the stage since everything went down. Appointed as the creative director for the final runway of the festival, while showcasing her own shoes at the same time. (laughs) Who can say they've done that? I've known Lana for years and in fact, we recorded this podcast in lockdown when things felt pretty dire in Melbourne. I was saving it to share with you at the right time and I feel that time is now. The tone is just so telling. We were in a stage of real uncertainty and I think this chat is even more valuable to experience now as Lana shares her vulnerable moments and fears for her family along with the issues she was facing with her new shoe business. What's cool about this is we are experiencing in real time what happened post-lockdown. Her triumph in releasing her second drop of her chic AF shoes and back in fine form as one of Australia's leading celebrity stylists, stronger and more powerful than ever. Who doesn't love a happy ending? Lana shares so much valuable information here about her reluctant and unplanned journey into becoming a leading stylist, creating her empire whilst maintaining her integrity along the way, reading the play, body inclusivity, and the future of sustainable fashion. And trust me, this chat is anything but frivolous. Well, welcome everybody. I am absolutely thrilled to have this next guest on my podcast. I adore this human being. Obviously, she's achieved many great things, which we will talk about in the podcast. But more than anything, I find this human being to be a person that uplifts other women and genuinely wants the best for you. Everybody, I'd like you to welcome Lana Wilkinson. Action. I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> no, you live up to it by virtue of you just being you every single day. And I just knew that having you on and having this chat was going to be like having a chat with a friend, which is exactly what it's going to be. I had missed you. I had missed you so much. How how are you going in ISO? What's going on? Well, first of all, it's so nice to talk to and see somebody that's not a member of my family. So I can say <laughs> no about you. I do miss you too. I feel like we go to so many events and we do so much. Um, but how am I going? I'm good. I'm, I'm really good today. I'm really I'm up today. I think I can see the light a little bit at the end of the tunnel, although I know the tunnel's not open yet, but, but there's a glimmer of hope. Um, so today's great. Uh, days, it's sort of been a bit like this. Um, for me, I, I, I've been really busy. This week got amped up especially because... Um, 
Uh, for those that don't know, I've got uh, two children and one is in primary school, Ava, and so homeschooling started this week. So I added teacher to my repertoire. So my husband, Liam, and I have been sharing that task, which has been interesting. And uh, and then I've also running two of my, my two of my businesses, so um, a styling business and then my shoe brand. And I've basically been doing that for the last five weeks from home. And then because um, my staff are working from home, uh, all of their sort of, you know, orders and things like that, I've been doing that. So I have had to exit to go into the post office or go to the office just on my own. So it, it's been challenging because I'm a, a people person. So it's, um, but it's no more challenging than for anyone else, of course. But um, I think it's it's been a time of a lot of self-reflection. But, but overall, good, you know. Yeah, so I think um, that honesty is so beautiful when you said, um, today I'm good because obviously the implication with that is that we're not good every single day and it is an up and down ebbs and flows and we've talked a little bit over this ISO time about this. Our challenges are our own challenges. So, yes, okay, maybe comparing it to people that are really um, in dire situations and suffering, you, you feel a little bit guilty because you're not particularly in that situation. But in saying that, this is a huge change for everyone and you are a people person. So the thing about one of the things, one of the many things I adore about you is that you just bring this incredible energy into everything you do, every interaction you have. I actually don't know how you do it because you just come with such vigour and lust and zest for life and it must be incredibly hard not to have that outlet um, right now, even as great as it, is, as it is spending time with your family. Oh, and you know what? I think, and that's one of the reasons I'm so glad when you asked me to do this because I knew that you would nail exactly where I'm at is that's 100% how I feel. I, I, I didn't, I, I've always known how much I sort of my energy I get from people and from my work because um, I went from, as you mentioned before, and, and, and that's been something to think about too, like what's, what the new normal looks like. Yeah. But I, I was running like I was, you know, you'd be styling people, then you'd be working on your shoe business. You'd be looking at samples and you're looking at your digital strategy. And then you're coming home, you're being a parent, picking kids up from school, you're having dinner, you go back and you do work. So it's like going at a thousand miles an hour to literally nothing. Yeah. And and that that was such a, a uh, emotional time, to be honest, those first couple of weeks. I remember at one point, I rang, um, this is me really sharing, but I remember I rang Liam because I'm, I'm, I'm so driven and I said to him, I rang him because I thought, you know what, if you start pulling your eyes out, you probably don't need to do that with anyone else because everyone's got to yeah. And I'm somebody that feels very guilty, as you know. I'm yes, you do. Everyone. I want to make sure everyone feels their best. They feel like they're number one when I'm working with them or even if it's in my team, like in my family, like I'm very much like that. Um, so you add that and compound that with all of the uncertainty. I just rang him one day and I haven't really told anybody this and I was just howling on the phone going, I don't know what this means. Like, who am I if I don't have any of this or if this all goes away? Because you remember those first two or three weeks, especially the first two was, were bleak, you know, we were seeing what was happening in the States and so it was really scary. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because you don't put those things on social media. Well, personally, I don't, and, and I more power to the people that do. Um, I, I really, um, it, it actually is such a great outlet because I feel like you can then relate to a lot of people. Um, but for me at that time, I just, I just felt, I felt really lonely, which was weird because I had my entire family around me. I'd been given this time to spend with my kids, um, but the uncertainty of it all was, was just overwhelming. 
And you know what? Two interesting points you brought up there. That social media thing about sharing as well, that is a personal choice. Like I do feel like we've kind of gone down this path of if you don't share everything that's real, then you're not being authentic. But it is it should be a personal personal choice as to what you want to share on social yeah. media. And you don't, you know, everyone has a different audience. I just even know like our neighbor's audience, they thrive off of seeing us happy and lighthearted. And someone asked me the other day in an interview, are you guys going to be introducing coronavirus into um, the storylines? And the producers kind of nailed it in that they said people look towards that show particularly as a distraction and a bit of an escape from reality. And there's nothing to say that your audience doesn't find that within your work and the stuff that you post as well. But knowing you as a friend, you are completely honest. And if somebody asks you straight to your face how you feel, you would tell them the reality of it. And I think there's such power in that because it makes us all feel like we're feeling those normal feelings as well. Because I've had those howling moments as well, you know. Yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing, isn't it? Because... We, we are very driven people. And mm. for me, what, I, what I've come to um, do over time, and I think it's also for me personally, and, again, it's just a personal choice, I kind of wanted to come to terms with how I felt about it because I, particularly with my shoe brand, it's not just me. I've got, a, a, I've got staff members. You want to also lead from the front and be positive. So for me it was kind of unpacking what this meant for me personally and then being able to go, okay, so what does this mean overall? You know, for example, um, you know, we had, I feel like I've been dealing with the coronavirus since January because um, we, uh, one, of our, one of our team uh, manufacturers some of the, the stuff is in China. So we were aware of what was going on and so it delayed things already. So I had an order for our uh, sort of autumn winter range that was meant to arrive in March. Now, thankfully, at the time I was cursing, but now I'm like, oh, my God, thank God it was late. And now we won't be receiving it until May. But then it's the, the um, conscious decision now is do you release parts of it mm. and people want that or... Do you wait? Do you sit on it? Because because I'm lucky that my business is diversified and I am doing other things and, uh, you know, it's not a necessity to push it out. Do you wait? It's just all of those things because you work so hard and you want to be able to deliver for the people that rely on you and, and um, trust you and buy into your brand. So there, it was just all of that compounded with uh, family and yeah. health and that's the thing your family's healthy like I've not visited my parents in five weeks like and I, I used to see them a couple of times a week so and my kids haven't seen them and so then it's like where's nanny and pa and, and so then you add that on top of it all as well so but I, I, that is not and I want to stress as well that's everybody's experience and I think that's the bit where I talk about where I feel guilty because I go oh it's not just you you've got your house you've got a roof over your head so I think it's just a a, a multitude of emotions that really I haven't had to deal with before. And the other thing is it just changes constantly. So even business-wise but mental health-wise, it's like there's something different that happens every day because for you as a mum as well, like all of a sudden you're required to homeschool, which I just think is an incredibly difficult, I don't have kids, but speaking to everyone that does, like how are you expected to be working full-time? You don't just work full-time, you work double-time. You've got two businesses essentially that run side by side and then you've got your family and now you're a teacher as well. Like that extra stress and also not, I suppose, um, transmitting that stress to your kids while you're doing it is just so much pressure. 
Oh, and it's also too, like my youngest, Elle, is three and she, it's, it's almost adorable but then also a little bit sad at her age that she does understand, you know, like she'll, I've got to, I've got to use the sanitizer. I think she thinks it's so, <coughs> excuse me, and says, we can't do that. We can't, we can't go to the shops and stand next to people because of the coronavirus. That's what she says. <laughs> we can't see nanny because of the coronavirus. Like I'm thinking, you're three. You're not supposed to know those things or that in, you know, two weeks time it's her birthday and she won't have a party because of the coronavirus. That's what she says. But we've tried to make it so that it's about us and getting to spend more time together. And But you're right, it is about making sure that you feel those positive energies because it is hard because Liam's working full-time as well. His job and his uh, company that he works for has been amazing and brilliant and he's, he's doing great, which is awesome, but navigating as well because I don't think we're born to live on top of each other. So, um, but we've been navigating it quite well considering. And I think my little secret is always... Um, going to uh going for a walk you need to have that exercise right you need to have that time and thank so, god we've, we're still allowed to do that because people like you and i i think we do crave that human connection and i do yeah. believe that all of those different things that we do in our life whether it's events whether it's yeah. work it's you know home we need all of those different things in order to kind of work at our optimum and i would say with you you were a woman that was that is that does thrive it's almost like you're built for that and then when you're required to change and then trying to pull it all back especially when you weren't preparing for this kind of like hiatus must have been so hard and and I'm sure in those first couple of weeks when I've spoken to business owners and stuff and um, for yourself like because you're obviously a stylist at a very very high level it'd be events after events cancelled which is your bread and butter as well like how did you deal with that sort of instantaneous shutdown oh look I want to say I dealt with it well, but that would be a lot. I think <laughs> uh, tears. A lot of actually leaning on other colleagues as well, yeah. like, you know, talking to other um, other people that I, like I've got a, a business mentor, um, Rory Boyle is somebody who I really rely on. He's been a really close friend of mine for a number of years and, and uh, manages a, a, a very um, amazing business. And so I rang him straight away. And it was also getting perspective as well. Like for me, it, it was, um, you know, my brand, my shoe brand's only six months old and, you know, uh, doing extremely well for a startup business. Like, it's little things like we were doing volume level sales and I remember one day saying, oh, we need to do more. And this is like now <laughs> you go, yes, we got our one today or we got our two today. So I think... And the reason I tell that story is I think that there's a, there's a lesson in that. And I think for me, a lot of the time I wasn't present perhaps and just enjoy the moment because you're always thinking about the next thing. So then you take a step back and you throw this into play and you can't think about the next thing because you don't know what the next thing's going to be. So when you're a control freak like I am, mm. that was just a recipe for uh like I've never, I, I wouldn't say anxiety, but I was starting to get very anxious. Like, yeah. what does this mean? And then there was some curveballs there for a while because then you start really, the positive is you, you really start to get across your numbers and you know what's what. And that was the thing that we always said straight away, get across your numbers, look at where you can skim back, look at everything as a whole. What are the things that are necessity? What makes you money? So the positive is I now know the inside and outside of all my businesses and what makes money and what doesn't, um, where my expenses lie, etc. For me, from the first priority 
solely for me was to protect my team because I wanted to make sure, because, you know, when this first came out, they were sort of saying, it might be 12 months, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what is that like, you know? So for me, it was getting my team into a point where I could still pay everyone, that I wouldn't have to stand anyone down. So when the um, government came through with the JobKeeper um, message, I felt like that was the day my stomach didn't sit in my throat anymore, to be honest. Um, and I think for me that was something that I didn't realise was really important to me because how could I have turned around to um, team members who have, like, worked tirelessly alongside me, built this brand, to then say, sorry, I haven't got to work for you when we were at that that level. So, so for me, there was just a lot of emotional adjusting, a lot of, um, I guess, making sure I was being very considerate of other people because I wasn't able to just worry about me. Um, so, so that that really took its toll there for a couple of weeks. But um, I feel like when that buoy got thrown out, thrown out, I was like, okay, cool, we're going to be okay, and then you can plan. So. I think overall now the position that I'm in is um, is a good one. It's more a situation now of when to put product to market so that it feels like the right thing. Because for me personally, I'm not running around myself, and I love fashion, as you know. Like I'm yeah. like I want this, I want that, but I'm not running around buying everything myself. So it doesn't feel authentic for me to be going sell, sell, sell at the moment. Yeah. So um, I just I want to do the right thing. And something that's also authentic to the brand, I don't want to put what I know is a great collection and it just not hit the mark because we're in this situation. So I think it's just being able to read the play and really understand what people want and what they need at the right time. So even just you speaking about it shows me why you are so successful. I mean, I thought about, um, and we were thinking about this and we thought with Hubby and I, we were like, imagine if you were a small business owner now and you just started, which basically is what you've done, how you would feel like because you've kind of put all of your heart and soul into it and thank God for that initial success. And and it will be continuing success after this as well. But you literally care about people so much that it doesn't surprise me that your first concern was going to be your employee and I'm so glad that's kind of worked out a little bit but it must have been exhausting like I can only imagine how exhausting it would be just thinking about all the possibility you're at home yeah okay you're at home but thinking about every single possibility all which which way when it changed when it was changing daily and still is like we're still getting information as to vaccines coming through and maybe this will last for a year or 18 months and we can't travel and stuff can't come in from overseas yeah absolutely and I think I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? Because everybody is experiencing this at different levels. Yeah. Uh, I feel like in a lot of ways as well, you know, with regards to um, the, the business and the staff and, you know, was, was just trying how to get by. And I think as well there were a lot of decisions that I made, and this is probably for anybody starting a business, is, is advice that I would, if anyone was saying something that I would give, um, and I remember our mutual friend, Chris Contos, said to me when I, when I launched the brand, um, having the wealth of experience that, that he has had and okay. uh, obviously was um, a designer and his, his brand, uh, Tyler, that blew up like Kendall mm-hmm. Jenner was walking around in it, you know, so proud of everything he's achieved. And he said to me, and I've never forgotten it, don't get too big too quick. And that message from the decision processes that I made thereafter is why I'll be able to be on the other side of this because I did, obviously, we had, which you were at, obviously, we launched it. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of um, 
excitement about it, a lot of people buying. I was restocking things. Um, I had a lot of offers to do things, you know, uh, align with um, big e-commerce stores, department stores. I even had people put an order in and there was just something inside of me that just put the brakes on and went, we're still such a young brand and the way my styling became so successful was slow and steady wins the race. Like I'd, I'd like to think that I didn't step on anybody to get myself ahead and I didn't fast track my way there. So that's what worked for me in that space. So my gut instinct was follow that path and keep Chris's advice in mind. And so, I, you know, when this happened, I didn't have to worry that I'd ordered this huge amount of stock that wasn't going to get purchased and, and then sitting on it and all that sort of stuff. So I kept it nimble because I really wanted to understand you learn so much even in your first collection, like what people want, what they gravitate towards, uh, what market is where you make your money, um, what events we can use things for, you know, where, all those sorts of things. So I feel like thankfully that when this happened, it wasn't a complete shit show, part of my language. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, but I mean, you can tell that you're an astute businesswoman and entrepreneur and I do want to talk about how you kind of got in and fell into this Um, and arguably probably the most successful and biggest and well-known stylist in Australia. But I love the fact that you um, are not too proud to take on advice and ask for advice within the industry with your colleagues and the people that you've come up with. You know, and I also think yeah. that you you've always you've always maintained your integrity the whole way through. And I know because I've known you for a few years now that that's the way you've always been, and you're in it for the long game because that's ultimately your legacy, isn't it? Yeah, I I think so. Like, first of all, thank you. That's very nice to say. It's always very good when people say you're good at something. Um, but thanks. Um, but I think you know, I think for me. I, it is, it's, and I think you've summed it up well, and I think that's the thing for anybody who's watching that's got a business or got aspirations and goals is, like, you do have to think about the long game. Like, they would have been quick wins, but, I mean, really big losses had I have gone down that path when I knew instinctively that it wasn't yeah. the right thing. So, um, and, and, you know, I would have got great PR, I would have had a great event that, that would have got cancelled that people would have put money towards, but yeah. what position would I be in now? And, and it's another thing, it was probably the reason too when I launched my business that I, I wanted to put all my own money into it, that I didn't want an investor because I didn't want the pressure of having to worry about, you know, somebody else coming down with me if, that, if the ship sank. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Liam was on board for it because he'd be coming down with me too, <laughs> my husband. <laughs> but... Um, but I think, and I think as well too, you, you can't, like, you, you, for me personally, it's funny when people talk about success because success also is about learning and making mistakes so that you learn from them and make better decisions in the long run. And I lean on a lot of people for advice. I, um, you can never be too proud because you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I've had styling working for me I always think well you know they're bringing something different to the table I'm going to take that on board or you know if you're working with clients and you're diversifying the sorts of people that you work with like I've always been someone just as an example that um, I've worked with women um, of all different sizes different shapes different I mean I don't like to talk about stature and things because I don't think that yeah. stuff matters but I because I, 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 I thrive on that because you learn more about people. You know, I became a better stylist working with people that were, you know, a size four or a six and the same way I've learned working with girls that are 14 or 16. Like it, 
because it all is about people and making people feel good. And I know I feel good when I'm, you know, asking questions, if I'm learning, if I'm making mistakes, but there's opportunities. So I think you, you don't get to say you're successful if you can't admit that you've got to make mistakes to get there as well, if that makes yeah, sense. Totally. And it was a true testament to you um, when I went to your launch. I've never seen that amount of people of all different levels, super successful, wonderful people, all well-known, you know, within the industry come to one single event in a long time. And I think that shows the support for you as a human being and I know I know you're always thinking about everything like uh, I can't even remember what you were saying but we both do this to each other like oh what about this and this wasn't right and that wasn't right I'm not happy with this and whatever but it's like take a minute to look back yeah we do that because you know you're you're a perfectionist um and you'd be look back and go that must have been such a key moment and I remember looking around and let's you know let's talk about your support system Liam was just so proud and not just that like all of your girlfriends and people that you've obviously known for a long period of time with their partners just they're just so truly happy for your success that that's got to feel good ah oh, look it's good that we're not talking yesterday when I was a bit fragile <laughs> oh. uh, there's two things in that one I think you hit the nail on the head when you said we're always thinking how do we get better how do we I really hope that after this, people like you and I just go, you know what, we're good. Yeah. We're good. We're here. Don't take it for granted. You know, not that I think we'll take it for granted. I think we're just always concerned and worried. Yeah. Whereas if you're in the moment and you just be. So that's probably the first thing. The second thing, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you were there. I think for the first time I was speechless. Um, Lorinska Brenton, who's a good friend of mine, was emceeing it. She was looking at me going, I guess I say. I was like, I'm just, I looked around the room. And I, I genuinely couldn't believe that that the because I was really worried. I remember because it was a Wednesday night. And I wanted to have it on the Thursday, but the venue was booked. And yeah, that's it what it was. The sixteenth of October, and I remember going thinking to myself because I knew I had like forty books I had to do for spring racing, and I remember thinking I can't go later than this because then I'm just going to implode. Like I'm one person. How am I going to do this? Um, so we had to have it on that Wednesday. And um, I remember thinking, oh, no one's going to come. And then to have turned up and to have looked the way it looked um, and to have had that support for something that I genuinely was like, you know what, at this point, if it fails, at least you've tried and at least you kind of know who your friends are now because they all turned up. Um, I think think for me it was so uh, heartwarming that people would take the time out of their day or night and their week to support, um, I'd like to think over the journey, I, I know I certainly have for, for, you know, whenever anyone's done anything and, and but that's my nature. I don't do it so that people can support me and I think if you go in with those intentions. But I genuinely, um, I really love everyone who was invited to that event was invited because I either work with them, I'm friends with them or I know that they genuinely want me to do well. And I didn't invite anybody who I felt has that notion of I want you to do well, just not better than me. Because yeah. I just had a decision mentally when I was working on that, that I just, I mean, you know, I told you what I was doing when we were working in the Logies, remember? I was like, yeah. I'm wearing wood red fitting, I'm bringing out a shoe brand. And just the genuine support. And, and for me, I only wanted people around me who, who genuinely 
would uplift me because no matter what happened that night, if we launched, and I remember launching it, which was arguably don't do that next time, it's dumb, don't be at a party and launch because it was <laughs> mental. And the next day I was like, how on earth are we going to pack all these orders, which was a good problem to have, yeah. but it was mental. Um, but I did that as well because I thought I don't want to be freaking out thinking about that. If I'm with everyone, whatever happens over that laptop right now because it might, the team were upstairs like checking the orders and, I think we were selling like two pairs of shoes a minute, which was just insane. But but I was I just remember at that moment thinking, no matter what happens now, you're good because at least you've tried. And look at this incredible support. And I think that's the stuff that you remember. Yeah. And uh, and I'm grateful for it. But I, and and I think that's how we've got to approach things now as well. And I certainly tried to do that. You know, our fashion industry. Uh, not unlike um, the uh, performance and arts industry as well, needs a lot of people to get around them. What are the things that we can do to support? If it's that, you know, if someone wants me to take a picture in some clothing to support a brand, I'm happy to do that. If I want to watch a performance over Zoom like this so that people can share their creative talents, then that's what we need to do. I think it's not a time to go, oh, what's she doing or what's he doing? Like whatever you've got to do to get through this, is what you need to do. You I hundred percent agree with you. Like even um, I suppose, we, especially like things like that when you're supporting businesses, which is what we do when we wear people's clothes, and you know we tell our audiences and share it. And I always pick, I always the things that I wear are things that I truly believe in. But there was a little bit of a sense of like this is not the right time, and you know we shouldn't we should be more sensitive. But in saying that, these businesses are going down. So it's like we need to be supporting them more than ever and creatives in all different spaces wherever we can and be more vocal about it. And I hope, I really hope we come out of this and I'm with you with that whole like be more mindful and be more present and more grateful for the things that we were doing and the things that we had achieved and whatnot. And I hope that we do come out of this um, with those lessons in mind and kind of tackle life a little bit differently. Not the same but um, I suppose more quality, and I do feel like that that's going everywhere. What do you feel like, what do you think is happening with the fashion industry right now? Do you have a view? Like, are you? I, I, I do. I think I, I, I personally, again, it's just a personal opinion. Mm. I think we're gonna, we are going to come out of this. I think there'll be some casualties, unfortunately, um, you know, but I think, I think people are going to want to buy quality over quantity again. I think that's really something, you know, we were all, and I, and I was guilty of it as well, you know, like things like I can't wear this again because I've worn it already. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why can't we do that? Like, oh, I can't. And, and you know, I, I, I'm so lucky and fortunate to, work with so many brands and you're trying to, and I tell myself, oh, no, it's because I want to support them as well, but it's because I was like, oh, God forbid you wear the same dress on social media. That is ridiculous. So I think first and foremost I think that will change because at the moment I think we would all be open and say, I'll wear anything wherever I fucking go. <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, that, I think from a fashion perspective I think there was like so much choice, so much fast fashion as well. Um, and 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 arguably, you know, we, we probably weren't always talking about sustainability and we need to, you know. Mm. So I think that that's really going to become something that's quite prevalent. Um, and I think maybe a lot of the time it's going to be buying things we actually need 
And I still think we'll buy things we want, but the volume of which we did, I don't think will be the case anymore. I really don't. Yeah. I think we need to, because, I mean, you look at the last few weeks, we've all survived living at home, doing whatever we've been doing, whatever works for you. You know, for me, some days it has been just being in activewear all day and top knots. And other days it's like, oh, I need to put some spray oils tan on, I need to get my hair done, I need to put makeup on, like whatever it is that makes you feel good. You've got to just do it. So I think I think now it'll be, I do think there's a shift as well in that we're all shopping online so that I think sometimes it'll change in terms of what it looks like from a store experience perspective. Um, but I, I think a lot of it's just going to have to be a little bit of suck and see. I know that that's probably not a concise answer, but I think it still feels a bit uncertain. Yeah, no, I think that's. I think it's exactly the right answer because we don't we don't actually know what's happening. I feel like we were already going down the path of ethical and sustainable clothing and ways of wearing things. I think this is going to require obviously the businesses and they are doing it obviously because it's at the forefront of their mind. But to kind of pivot and think about different ways in which they want to, uh, I suppose, release their clothing, how much they want to release, um, I suppose, the wearability of what they're doing as well um, because that luxury we have, we don't have that luxury now where we were, I feel like we are like going up, 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 up and almost like we've stopped and now we have to reevaluate where we are. Um, but it's interesting that you say about like um, how clothing and feeling. I actually found in ISO I've figured out that um, how much I actually do value fashion. So I, I we've talked about this so much, but I've <laughs> never considered myself a fashionista. It's something I like had to, no, you know, and I, I want to talk to you about style and how you kind of define and figure out your styles because I was just like, oh, it's just this thing that you obviously have to go places. So you want to look your best and what's going to suit me because I'm curvy. So let's go from there. And then what's out there, what's available and then trying to find it. It's like a bit of a process. But I think my aversion to calling myself or even going down that was because I did feel like when I was growing up that I didn't have every option that, say, my other friends had because I didn't have that kind of straight up and down figure. And we all know that all figures are amazing and you know that and you style everyone, which is incredible. And I am going to talk about my personal experience with you at the Lokis as well (laughs) in a bit because it was incredible. But, um, yeah, like I didn't have those options. So I think deep down I just didn't want to really participate in the industry too much because I didn't feel like it valued me um, and it it was something that was available to me. And then as time's gone on and shapes and appreciations change and whatever you want to say about the Kardashians, they did change that whole curvy girl vibe and going to these things and seeing how um, people, other people value it and what the importance they place on it. What I've found during isolation though is how clothing actually makes me feel. So I didn't think I needed it and I was like, you know what, active wear, I love my jacket, I love my P-Nation, I'll just wear that at home um, and it would be great. And then a few occasions when I've had to work or do something um, content-wise or whatever, I'll put it on and i just got a completely different feeling. And that goes with makeup as well, but with the outfits, I was wearing a power suit um, for something and I was just like, I just feel so good. And so I definitely feel like there must be other people like that who would be going through this time really appreciating the times that they were able to get dressed up and go out and that are craving it and wanting it. It's funny you say that because I think sometimes people talk about fashion like it's so frivolous. Yes. But it's it's not and it's just really like me I feel like in a lot of ways it it, it, it is about how you feel and I I would I've seen it change I don't want to sound like it's like no people feel about themselves so I really 
And I think that's the bit when we talk about what the industry looks like is, you know, I hope that it isn't something that's seen as, oh, it doesn't matter. It actually does. Like, because I feel like in a lot of ways people are so creative and you want to make sure that we're supporting them and mm. there's that um, we are Australian that's going around at the moment and I really encourage everybody where they can if they are purchasing to buy Australian designers because it's so important that we keep it going. And I think at, to your point earlier about, um, about body shapes and things, I couldn't agree with you more. I think one of the things when I first started, I started becoming a stylist about nine years ago and everything was like, you know, figure, stick thin, mm. size six and eight were what you could get when you were styling people. And it was so frustrating. Like I remember um, for more than a couple of people because I'd dress people that weren't necessarily straight up and down size eight, that when I couldn't get stuff, I'd actually go and buy it. And I never told them that, but I was like, because I didn't want them to feel like they were second rate because they were never second rate to me, mm. but the industry was dictating what I could get. And now where there has been this shift, and I agree with you, I 100% say the Kardashians did that, where, you know, being fit, having a bit of a curve, having a booty, all that stuff is embraced. And I only think that's happened in the last three or four years, to be honest. Mm. And then you have amazing designers that do custom things like Effie Cats, for example, or any of any of the designers that we've worked with uh, for red carpets and stuff where it's embraced and it's kind of cool. Like it's like and it, it creates another outlet as well. So I think there's such an opportunity now. How do we take that and, and grow it even further? Because I think during this time we've had time to reflect we've had time to perhaps personally accept ourselves as well like one of the I guess the linings about all of this is what's been really nice is seeing people out walking with their families or walking with their partners and doing and not in a race to get somewhere so I think I think there's opportunities to come out of this even in the whole like the family time I mean I've only got my hubby at the moment but we were on a walk the other day and he was just like do you know how we were living our lives pre-ISO we were running from because I like to take him with me as you know to events yeah, and, yeah and you know like I probably because we're probably in the initial stages as well and he still does what I tell him to do but it's also because um we don't get to spend that much time together the hours are grueling at work yeah and I really like I, I'm all about the family I'm all about what's behind you and I want to respect that because that's who you are and create so I bring him and he he's so great and I can just leave him to his devices and it's great but like he was saying we were just running around like idiots from thing to thing and it wasn't enjoyable and we were just constantly hung over and then working and then doing this because we were drinking at these things just to kind of get through them and he's like oh, I really don't want to go back to that life I'm like look do not kid yourself when that life comes back I'm still going because I, I, I you can choose to come or not to come but we were living at I suppose at a pace that wasn't probably the best for us and we've never spent this he was saying to me this morning it's like we've never spent this much time together I'm like we've been on month-long holidays he's like but no but like at home and chill like it's so good and I think that's the thing and you probably will I just I doubt you'll do the volume that you know yeah. like you feel right authentic or things where they're your friends or people yes. that you work with or want to be. yeah but I think that will change well, because the other thing too is I think in a lot of ways and, you know, particularly when I was starting out, you would go to all those things so that you could have a presence, so that you could be, you know, um, and I'm talking sort of five, six years ago. But now with all of these things like in social media or that sort of stuff, you can 
you can be creating what you're doing right now and 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 people will know who you are um, I mean you're you're obviously well known obviously being on quite a successful television show that's like an Australian icon really so but not everybody has that platform so I think there are lots of things that this is producing and I think people accepting and changing and adapting is is the positive to come from it and I think the new normal is probably going to be better than the old you know yeah. I think you know because I'm really cautious when I say it's going to be better because I, I think in a lot of ways for it won't be because you know that their businesses have had to close or they've had to make the decision to sell their houses or do those things and from that respect it's awful but there's a silver lining in everything and and sometimes you just got to look a little bit harder to find it yeah absolutely let's talk okay so I know your journey and how you kind of got to this but it is really interesting I think to me and to other audiences as well how you weren't you weren't really born into it it's something that evolved over time and you made the jump from corporate to this tell me a little bit about that uh well i um my background was in uh retail marketing and pr and i got, I got my first taste of i'd always wanted to work in fashion even when i was a little kid i used to grab my mum's um, bridesmaids dresses and cut them up and think i was a designer um <laughs> was starving even then but um I, uh, I always wanted to work in fashion, and this is going to sound really snobby, but I'd gone, uh, I did a degree in PR at MIT, and then I uh, got a job in television at Fox Footy. Um, I worked on reception there and then worked, got promoted and worked in the marketing team for Foxtel. So I, but then I always wanted to be in the green room, like dressing people and like, you know, got to know people. And I was like, oh, this is like, well, I'm going to be in the studio. And anyway, maybe I was a starving actor, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. But then I think because I had sort of worked so hard, got to a certain salary, I remember there was an opportunity where I could have gone and worked for a fashion wholesaler and it was like for literally no money. And I, at that stage I was about 24, 25 and I, you know, had aspirations as, as you do when you're in a European family. You're like, I want to buy a house, I want to do this. So that wasn't the way I went down. So I sort of decided I would do a marketing and that's probably where I got a lot of my designer relationships. And I also understood about retail and consumers, um, the conduits between that. And anyway, fast forward a few years, I left Westfield, went to Stockland, which was a property group, but I learned so much about business in that space, um, which was awesome. Then I got pregnant with Ava. Mm-hmm. And I, well, just before that, actually, probably about three years before that, I'd had an opportunity uh, where someone that I was working with was on a reality show and um, said, oh, can you dress me? Um, you've got all these relationships and I see when you put stuff up on Facebook because back then it was Facebook not Instagram, people ask where your outfits are and they like them, so can you dress me? It kind of started like that, which sounds ridiculous really. But So then I would work from 7 till um, midnight, in a, or so 7 till, sorry, um, like 8 o'clock at night in this corporate role and then I'd write a blog, I'd be prepping and sourcing for styling and then I'd style on the weekend. So I did that for about three years. Had some like aha moments in there um, where I'd, you know, styled um, some very well-known people and then clothes might have sold as a result and you start to go, hang on, there's something in this. And then um, when I fell pregnant with Ava, I uh, had an opportunity, I was about 32 weeks pregnant with her. I'd gone on maternity leave from Stockholm and the Victoria Racing Club said to me, can you style the Emirates Melbourne Cup tour in New Zealand? Wow. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And luckily I did the 
cut off because you can't fly after 34 weeks or something. So that week had fallen at 33 weeks or something. And so it was the first time I was getting like real money doing this real job that I loved. That ironically, I thought that by having children would mean that it was a lot of freelancing and I say free because I was working for free for three years before that. And I'd done a couple of brown lows, I'd done a logies, and then, you know, working on the weekends and then. At this stage, I started to build a bit of a profile and then the next thing you know, there's comments in the Herald Sun about, you know, this is what people are going to be wearing and it just became a really huge juggle of trying to manage all things. Kind of long story short, took the leap after I had Ava and thought, you know what, now's the time. I've really got to make the leap. If I'm going to make this my career, I need to just do it. And the scary thing was is because at at this stage, I was on sort of a three-figure salary in a corporate job, you know, in a lot of ways at that point, people weren't valuing stylists. It was almost like it would be expected you pay a makeup and a hair person and the stylist would turn up for free. And so that was really challenging originally too, even family on board. They'd be like, you do an amazing job, we can see that, but how are you going to make this a career? Is it going to be sustainable? And I, the only way I could describe it, I know I've said this in other interviews that I've done, is when you know that you're meant to be doing something, you just know. And it's like, I will kill myself. I don't want to use those terms. Sorry. I will work my butt off to make sure that I'm my version of the best of it. Now, whether I've hit that point, I don't know. That's up to the public, I guess. But for me, I just was like, I'm going to keep going till I, I can tick a lot of boxes. And I've been so fortunate in my career that I backed myself in, but that I also had a husband who backed me in as well because at that point, I was in a position to contribute to mortgages and things like that. Had my back completely. So he stuck with me for life. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it, folks. We are the real ones. I hope you've enjoyed my podcast and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can follow me on my Instagram at Sharon Jahal or We Are The Real Ones and sign up for updates on my website at www.sharonjahal.com. Sending love and light to you, but above all, always keeping it real. We are the real ones.